My name is Reverend Lola Wright. I have the opportunity and privilege to serve this beloved place as its spiritual director, and I'm so very grateful that you said yes to joining us this morning. It is a practice that we have to gather here in something that we call Sunday Celebration Service. And uh, the idea of our celebration is to transcend circumstances and conditions. So we create essentially new neural pathways in the brain that say, oh, we celebrate because we say so, not because some set of circumstances out here say it's acceptable or right to. And the notion is that thought always precedes form. So if we can create a thought that has a vibration that elevates the collective consciousness of humanity, something new becomes possible. So thank you for joining in a celebration service independent of what's going on in your life. That's what we do to come together today, yeah? So Bodhi Spiritual Center has been around for 14 years. We have existed for three primary reasons, to reveal love, to honor all paths, and to celebrate life. We are thrilled to have Dr. Ken Gordon with us today. He is the spiritual leader of a larger organization called the Centers for Spiritual Living. And uh, he's really a stand on the planet that every human being may awaken to their own knowing of divinity right where they are. And the notion is that if we can heal the sense of separation from us, the finite self, and the infinite self, if we could heal that gap, we could actually realize an experience of joy, peace, harmony, order, abundance. So I'm very grateful for the stand that he is on the planet and very honored to have him here today. You'll get to hear from him shortly. A um, couple things that I wanted to mention. Uh, I mentioned this last week. Bodhi Spiritual Center is featured in the Science of Mind magazine this week, or this month, rather. And um, all of our fierce, amazing, glorious expression is in this thing. So they're available for sale downstairs for four bucks. If you're not familiar with the Science of Mind magazine, check it out because it's a very powerful, powerful uh, publication. The other thing is today we kick off our series titled The Soul of Money based on Lynn Twist's book, The Soul of Money. We would love for you to read the book with us this month. The premise of the book is that we do not have a sufficiency problem, we have a distribution problem. And so it's not that there's not enough of something, it's just that we haven't availed ourselves to being channels for generosity. And so it's really, she's a powerful, powerful woman that's done work all over the world. And really, she's devoted her life to uh, resolving poverty. Because poverty is just an agreement that we've made. It's not a necessary function. So we would love for you to be in study with us around this book for the month of October. It is for sale downstairs. Uh, we don't have an infinite supply. So if you know you want it, I would uh, act as if time is of the essence. All right? All right, let's speak our mission statement into existence. Would you join me as we do that? We awaken individuals to live their inherent power and purpose through unconditional love, creativity, and conscious community. We reveal oneness in service to the people of Chicago and beyond. Yes, so oneness is some lofty word, but if we break it down, what it means is that there's a power and presence for good, and it is individualized as you. 
It is not some man up in the sky somewhere pulling the puppet strings of your life. It's the presence that moves and breathes and has its way right where you are. And our practice is to be able to realize that in all that we see. So that's what we're up to. We are a social media friendly community. We would love for you to check in. We would love for you to post. We would love for you to use the hashtags Reveal Love and Bodhi Chicago. Most people find us today because of your social media posts. So we're very, very grateful for that. We want to honor and appreciate all of our Jewish family members that are at the completion of their high holiday season, having uh, celebrated Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So many blessings to those who celebrate. Happy New Year, and thank you for being here with us. Have a fabulous Sunday service. Avail yourself to a greater experience of love in this now moment. Yes? Beautiful. I am Abby Sutkis, your coordinator of care, and I am here to honor our volunteers of the month. Uh, before I get to that, I want to let you know that there is now a nomination form on our website on the Sacred Service page. So if there is someone you see in this community who you feel deserves to be acknowledged for their service, please go to that page and fill out the form and nominate them. This month, we are honoring Keith Otis and Willie Bray. Come, Come on, on up. up. <laughs> When we did our sacred service drive last month, I had people uh, stand up for how long they had been in service to this community, and both of these gentlemen have served this community for over 10 years. And I experienced them both as the presence of love and the presence of joy. I feel like their energy is palpable every time they are in the room. And I have such great appreciation for their presence here and for their spirit of service and generosity that they bring every time they show up. So most specifically, what we want you guys to know is that Willie Bray is, is quite literally our longest standing Bodhi Spiritual Center community yes. member. He has been here from the very beginning. He has essentially a perfect attendance record. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he is also our most devoted giver. So I just want you to get that. Like, uh, he is a tither, and he is someone who lives a life of profound gratitude. He is a participant in the men's ministry, and I know uh, profoundly impacts the men that he sits with to have right perspective. And uh, for that, I'm very grateful for you, Willie. Um, Keith Otis has also been a community member for like specifically like 12 years. 14, 14 years. All right. All right. And I think the thing that I just would like for all of us to be aware of is that as um, effortless as it usually looks here on Sundays, it takes hundreds and hundreds of hours 
for this community to function. And without the devotion and the commitment and the reliability of people like Willie and Keith, this community would not exist. So um, just eternally grateful. And I know that they each wanted to say a couple things, and we want to honor that. Uh, hello. Body of... Uh... For the uh, 14 years that I've been around, and I remember it was snowing on January uh, 204 on maybe the third week of January of the year of 204. It was like three inches of snow. I was on North Avenue in Sedgwick, opened the door. I was treated very nicely. So my continuously to come and everything is letting me know that they, that I have, well, I've cultivated person myself, my connection with my divine, have a way to go with it, but it gives me the potential to understand that I can have faith in whatever storm or challenge blows in my life from the outside world. So that, personally, me, that is one of the most biggest, one of the greatest things that I've learned with this. So I thank you, and I thank Everybody that has run Boldy Spiritual Center has went through a lot of changes, you know, from theater school to having our own center. So that's evolution, you know, that I've learned that I go through myself and others. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you greatly. Hi, Bodie. I've been coming here for a while, and I started coming here just shortly after um, Mark opened up on Over Transitions. And it was also shortly after I got diagnosed with MS. Um, what I found is that I have acquired a lot of tools um, as a result of being here, and it has helped me immensely with dealing with this challenge. And the, the, the gift that um, is biggest in my um, idea of this is how much love is in this place. You, it's palpable and you can feel it. And that love has just sustained me through all this, um, through this adventure that I've been on all this time. And so I, I just give thanks to all of you for all of the love that you have shown me over this period of time. And um, the other thing I'd like to say is thank you, Lola, because like um, Willie has said, this, this has been through a lot of changes, and I've seen every iteration of it. And, and I am just so glad that this uh, love uh, is, has continued and will continue to continue. And thank you, Lola, for taking up the high watch on that. So, Dr. Ken Gordon, we have created a powerful field for you to step into. 
And, um, you know, this human being has a, a resonance that will transcend what your mind can actually take in. So just be in the field that has been created and that which he speaks into, because it's very powerful. And if you allow yourself to be altered by it, it happens and you don't even have to effort. So Dr. Khan, thank you for being here. Thank you, Lola. You guys should have a real firecracker for a minister. You know that, don't you? <laughs> Uh, Lola actually joined the AGNT board, the Association of Global New Thought Leadership Council, um, earlier this year. Was it this year? And uh, the, the dynamic uh, power that she has brought to that organization is palpable. Uh, and it's a joy to work with her. It's a joy to play with her. It's a joy to spend time with her. And it's a joy to be here in Bodhi. So. I, I feel a little lame, though, because it, it, love is such a, a powerful thing that has been introduced here. And the, the sense of community and the sense of connection that was created just a couple minutes ago by the honoring of, of your volunteers and these two beautiful gentlemen um, really stirs me. It really, really stirs me. It, it, it brings to mind the, the, the idea that it's possible for all of us to live in harmony and that it's possible for all of us to live in connection with each other and connection with the earth and connection with spirit in a way that that will transcend that little thing that we have in our mind that minor part of ourselves which sometimes seems to be such a bully and controls everything and all things that that we do and the, the awakening that, that when it's possible for us to really become the authentic selves that we are and to fit into the mosaic of life that we've been created to fit into, at that particular point, what, what will occur is we will live in the harmony that we talk about and we'll truly be awakened and we'll be joyful in our soul and joyful in our lives and we can share openly and evenly. The, the, the issue seems to be the uh, obstruction that sits in front of us um, of fear and the fear of lack or the fear of, uh, of withholding, the, the fear of lack of love. All of those things fit into that place that we have. And this is the community and this is the teaching that allows us rising above that. To begin to practice not having to be in that system of that macro or morpho consciousness where, where society has dictated who we are and what we're about. So I feel a little sheepish coming out here wanting to talk about prosperity and the kickoff for the committed giving program when I realize that committed giving is really the essence of awakening to our own souls. It's really the essence of of being able to share evenly and joyfully of all that we have to offer to the world, our time, our talent, our treasure, and, and to be able to share it without fear that somehow or other it's going to be stopped or blocked or, or rejected or turned away. And, and when we can remove those veils that sit there and actually become the spiritual individualization that we truly are, 
what will happen is, as I say, will sit in, fit into that mosaic imperfection. You know, the whole of life is created, and we, we know enough through basic biology course to know that every living thing on this planet was created for purpose. And that if you remove a gnat, then in turn, eventually the balance of life is thrown off and you end up removing a bird and the bird removes the cat and the cat removes and so on and so on and so on. And, and we know that. We know that everything is on this planet for a purpose, except somehow or other we hung on to that old feeling of humanity being separate from it. So everything is purposeful in life except us. And so therefore, we have to become something better. We have to become something bigger. We have to become something stronger. We have to be smarter. We have to be richer in order to be able to give our gifts to life. Am I making sense? And, and so, you know, the, the, there, there are basic steps that we can take in, in learning and living to be able to actually become more authentic. And, and when we talk about committed giving, what we're talking about is a practice that opens the door for us to be able to realize some of those consciousness blocks that fit between us and the truth of who we are. I remember I grew up in the Palm Desert Church of Religious Science Centers for Spiritual Living in Palm Desert, California. And Deborah and I would go to church. We went to church every Sunday. We were as consistent as you two. And, and we would show up and we would go. And I can remember when I first started to go that I used to go and I'd, uh, I'd take two or five dollars and when the plate came by I'd put five dollars in. And I kept hearing the class, going to the classes and hearing the lessons. And it said that, that as you give, so therefore shall you receive. So I thought, you know, well, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to play this out. And so what I remember that I started to expand what I gave and started to give more and more and more. And after several years when I became a practitioner and I was sitting very fat and happy thinking this is just wonderful and I'd seen this transformation take place in my life, I went to my minister, Dr. Tom Costa, and I sat with him and I said, uh, Dr. Tom, I'm, I, I want to tell you, I want to give you a testimony as to how this stuff works. I said, when I first came into this center, we basically were broke. We were farming in Southern California. We were trying to put together enough money to eat, eat period, sometimes. And I, and I went to him and I said, and since I started to attend this beautiful center and started to participate and give, I used to give one dollar and then I gave five. And now I'd like to tell you I'm giving a hundred dollars a week. And boy, is it ever great. And Tom looked at me and he said, so, so tell me, um, you're giving a hundred dollars a week. Are you comfortable with that? And I said, yes, I'm comfortable with that. And he said, oh, so you're not growing anymore. That's painful. <laughs> and, and that, but, but the purpose and the point is there. And, and I don't want to just talk about money. I want to talk about Raymond Charles Barker's concept of prosperity, which is prosperous people, here's what he defines it as. Prosperity is being able to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, with who you want to do it with. And so to be able to do that, and I realize in the spectrum of life that it's different for so many people. Some people want to have a yacht, an executive jet, and other people don't care about that. 
But that key that comes together is to strive to be able to have that freedom to be able to be yourself and not be uncomfortable when you're in community with other people. To be able to actually show up as you truly are instead of showing up and trying to pretend to be somebody else, which puts a shadow between you and life. And the magnificence that I've always discovered in attempting to do that is that it is always a growing experience. You know, with one group of people, I can be totally authentic and have no problem. And then inevitably, I walk down the street and I run into another person and all of a sudden I find my authenticity being questioned. Not by them, but by me. My, my ability to do it. So one thing that I've learned is in developing a prosperous life, and developing a life where, where I get to do what I want to do with who I want to do it, when I want to do it, is that there were three basic steps that happened for me. And I share them with you really quickly as I go through, but the three basic steps that happened for me, and they might not be the same for you, but they sure were for me. The first one was giving, the second one is receiving, and the third one is being. And I'll tell you, the giving was a big issue with me. When I first bumped into Dr. Tom and he told me that, I'd already begun to learn and grow. But when Dr. Deborah and I, my, my beautiful wife was here with us today, when, when, we, when we went and started our church in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, which was our hometown, I remember showing up there and, and I can remember that we were still living under um, a lack consciousness. There wasn't enough. And I can remember going and attending and doing the first service, and we had eight people show up at the first service. Six of them were my family. And, <laughs> and we had two little children, two, two very young children, pre-high school children, and there Deb and I are starting this center, and our first offertory that went through received $75. And we, we decided to, to take... Uh, 50% of all income at the, in the early days was what we were going to receive for, for salary. And we didn't have any money at all. We left California with $450. I have, a, I have friends that uh, built churches as well. And one day there were three couples of us sitting around in a, in a circle talking about building churches. And the one couple said, uh, you know, when we moved to Vernon, British Columbia, Canada and started our center, uh, I'll tell you something, is that we had $80,000 and it cost us every single nickel to build that church, to start that church. And the next couple were from Bellingham and they said, you know, when we started the Center for Spiritual Living in Bellingham, we had $100,000 and it cost us every nickel to start that center. And Deb and I sat there for a second and I said, well, you know, when we moved to Kelowna, British Columbia and started the center there, we had $450 and I guarantee you it cost us every nickel to start that center. <laughs> and and that, that's, that's really, that, that really is the connection with it. So we were receiving... $75, $37.50 that came in, and, and we were counting on having come out of the farm down in California, people had owed me money and they were sending it in, and so what I was doing is constantly giving money to the church to support it. And I can remember I'd come home and, and uh, Deborah would be crying, do you remember crying, Deborah? And, and she'd be crying about money and that sort of thing, and I had to break free, and, and I can recall one day I came in and I said, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm going to test this thing, whether it works or not. And so what I did was I walked into the house and uh, I, I 
stood there and uh, I, we'd just done a class and we'd received $16.50 in, in money from the class. And I said, okay, give me $1.65 from that. That's what I, that you owe me $1.65 or $8.50 or whatever. And she said, okay. So she gives me the $8.50 and I take the $8.50 and I said, here's the money that I'm tithing to the church. And I gave her 85 cents and said, that's it. There's no more for it. And then on top of it, what I did was I put another 85 cents away. And so that was the income. I will share with you that at the time that I committed that I would enter into tithing, I had no idea whether or not it worked. I was terrified that it, that it wouldn't. I was terrified because I didn't have any money. And I never went without from that moment forward. And I can't tell you how. I can look at the books. It doesn't explain it. I'm telling you that when you step into the willingness to transform your consciousness to become real, that the promise of the universe that you will be provided everything necessary in order to be the truth of who you are, whether you are a gnat or whether you are an elephant, you were born to be a part of the mosaic of this life and that thing that is called spirit will support you in that motion if you are open and receptive to receive it. So I ground through that, I ground through that part. Deborah grew up with a very wealthy family. I grew up in a very poor family. And uh, when Deborah was very young, when she was first born, her godfather had given her a book by George Clayson called The Richest Man of Babylon. And when I first met her, she gave it to me and I read it. It was along the lines of an Ogmandino uh, book, you know, very, very short, very interesting. And, and I remember reading it, and I'm talking 20 years before this. And, and in it, the, what I got out of it was that it was necessary to uh, pay and give, and it was necessary to pay yourself in the process. It was called the 80-10, I call it the 80-10-10 rule. And so at the same time, what I determined to do was I determined to begin to do the 80-10-10 rule, finally, after 20 years being aware of it, but not having the courage to put it into activity and action. And I can remember that out of that $8.50 that I tied the or 85 cents to the church, and I turned around and I took 85 cents and I put it into a bank account that I created for myself. And here's what I discovered from that. The one was the giving, the other one is the receiving. I discovered that in my entire life, I had hundreds if not millions of dollars flow through my hands in the businesses I'd been in. That I always owed money over here and was owed money over here and that I was living in between somewhere along the line and nothing ever stuck to me. Whenever I had any money, what I would do is I would unconsciously, I was without thinking, I would put it into the bank, I would pay the bills, I would do whatever, but I was not conscious or aware of it. And when I finally discovered that I put 85 cents into a bank account with my name on it, it was the first money in 35 years that I'd ever had that I could ever think of having. The awareness and the reality that, that I was just a conduit that it flowed through me and that I wasn't even aware and awake and alert that it was present meant that I never had the satisfaction of receiving. And the minute that I began to receive that 85 cents, it started to grow and balloon, and it started to build and develop and stretch me in consciousness to an acceptance that was larger than the one I had before. So lesson number one was I knew giving would get back in return. It was proved, it was pressed down and flowing over. Receiving was another thing to do. 
And suddenly to start to do that receipt worked in perfection. So to this day, Deborah and I run our books on 10, 10, 80. We give away 10%. We put 10% into account for us and we spend 80%, hopefully less, but we spend it and, and, and lay it out there and, and that that works. And all of that sounds great, but then came the being. And the being was this. I'd spent my entire life in business one way or another. Uh, by the time I was 31 years old, I was the head of a corporation called United Foods out of Canada. And what I did was I, I ran that, and, and it was not my way of being. I grew up with these mentors in my life who were um, entrepreneurs and business people. And I can remember watching them and trying to be like them, trying to be like my father-in-law, trying to be like the people that I wanted to emulate in life. And as I tried to do that, what I found was it didn't fit my personality whatsoever. I was not that kind of person. I remember once when I, when I showed up at work with one brown shoe on and one black shoe on, I kind of thought, oh, maybe perhaps I'm pushing this a little bit too far where I'd get up at six and go to work and then I'd come home and I had a brand new baby daughter and what I would do is I'd come home, at, I'd go to work at six in the morning, I'd come home at six at night and I would fall asleep on the couch till about one and then I would stay up till three, then I'd go to bed and get up at six and go back to work again. And my life had no beingness. It wasn't connected. And I was trying to figure out what I could do about this. And so I ended up going to Southern California and farming. And in very short order, I turned it into the same kind of business I had otherwise. What I would do is I would, I would uh, leverage this piece of property to be able to grow hay on this piece of property. And I'd leverage that piece of property to do something here. And then I'd leverage that to buy a new piece of equipment over here. And so it was still in that rat race, no matter what, no matter how thorough said all farmers are mystics. I was finding myself in a situation where I wasn't very mystical, where what I was trying to do was garner and garnish wealth for what purpose? And then the awakening came to me. And when we be, went into ministry and moved back to Kelowna, that, that, that behavior in me still existed. And I remember the first uh, group of people that we had in our services, I can remember we had this lovely, lovely couple that showed up for service. And they were people who came and they just volunteered and gave of their time and gave of their talent. And they were just wonderful people. They were the ones who would set up the 12 chairs for my family to sit in before we did Sunday services. And they would get everything all ready, you know. They would be the ones who made the coffee. They'd do the treatment, you know. And it was they were the epitome of volunteers. And they were there every single Sunday for like a year and a half. And then one Sunday they didn't show up. They just didn't show up to church. And at the time, I was working on uh, ridding myself of the consciousness of debt. I was working on that area and that way that said, I'm tired of leveraging everything into debt so that I can live under that auspices. And I was attempting to be without debt. And my, my treatments every morning were to release and surrender this thing called debt, to let go and have me not owe anybody anything. And this lovely couple show up and then they go away. And I go, oh, that's terrible. And the next week they didn't come. And the next week they didn't come. And we were reaching out trying to figure out where they were. And they weren't answering their phones. And finally we had a mutual friend. And we bumped into the mutual friend. And, and we said to him, uh, you know, whatever happened to this couple? And they said, oh, they became Mormons. 
I'm not making fun of Mormons, but I'm, it was like night and day in the way that it happened. And I can remember in my contemplations going back to my home and doing my spiritual practice in the morning, I remember doing it and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and on one hand I'm trying to get rid of debt and I'm saying, oh God, please tell me what I need to know in order to rid myself of this debt. And on the other side, what I've got is I've got this gnawing sense of betrayal and abandonment that came from this couple. And all of a sudden, the two ideas and the two thoughts crossed. And when they crossed, these words came out of my mouth. I can't believe they left after all I did for them. And it suddenly became obvious to me that what I was trying to do was I was doing things with an expectation of return. I was holding people in debt and trying to get rid of debt on the other side. And when the aha came, it was, it was night and day. And suddenly I realized that my life was meant to give from love and from service according to what I wanted to do and chose to do. And I had to break the habit of constantly trying to do something with an expectation that I would get something in return and instead have the faith and the trust and the knowledge and the knowing that once I awakened, once I became real, once I became authentic, that what would happen is the universe, the infinite intelligence of God, life itself would deliver unto me everything that was necessary and required to nurture and support who I was in life. And that I had to stop giving things with expectations. So I remember the next week was a real challenge because someone would phone me up and say, I need to be, uh, meet with you to counsel. And I would say, hang on a second, got to think about it. i got to get myself into that place where I know that I'm going not with an expectation I'll get something but in return, but because that is truly who I am. That is the authenticity of what I am. I have to walk out on a Sunday morning and give a talk, not from a point of view of expecting somebody to become something or do something, but because it's who I am. I, I, I need to be able to give of my money, not because it's something that I expect return back, but it's because it's who I am. I need to get into the sink and the flow of life itself to actually live, receive, give, and be who I am. And it transformed my life. It totally transformed my life. When I, when I, I've been 20 years in leadership in spiritual organizations, and, uh, and, and I'll share with you, in, in higher leadership, I was the president of Religious Science International, and now I'm spiritual leader of Centers for Spiritual Living, and, and every step has always been the same thing. Why am I doing this? I'm doing it because it's who I am. I have no expectation of return. I don't come to Bodhi to speak to you expecting that there's going to be something returned to me because you are not my source. I love you, I want to be here, but you are not my source. My source is spirit itself. My source is the authenticity of who I am. And to discover that authenticity, what I know is that I have to share evenly and give evenly this way. I have to be open and receptive to receive this way. And I have to do it with a sacred heart and a clean consciousness, knowing that I'm doing it because it is who I am and the right thing to do. And therefore, and at that point, everything unlike that dissipates and disappears. 
Suddenly what happens is that all of the old morpho-consciousness ideas that I had just disappear. They dissolve into the nothingness they came from. And instead, you actually get to walk around in a world where you're comfortable within your own body. You're comfortable within your own soul. You're comfortable within your own personality. And at that point, spirit picks up and delivers to you everything that is required and everything that is necessary for you to live the life of purpose that you were born to do. Spirit wants you to be you. You live in perfection at that point. The only thing that separates us from it is our ideas that something is being demanded of us or that we are demanding of ourselves. And the minute that we learn to break free of that and stop having the form in our lives be the uh, purpose behind what we are and realize that the purpose is the soul within, the fire within, the life within, the firecracker within, the minute that we do that, what happens is we are set free. And that is the key to freedom. To be able to live our lives from that place and that point and stand up and support others in doing the same thing. To be able to eradicate the idea of judgment from our lives and instead operate from a place of knowing and beingness without having the neuroses that seems to separate us from the truth of who we are. This is what this center does in perfection all the time. This is what I heard Reverend Lola talk about when she stood up here. This is why you come here is because you support a world that can work for all. And to do that, what it requires is for you to be able to be receptive and open of giving your time, your talent and your treasures so generously, so openly and so honestly into the community. Because I will tell you, she will do good things with it as you do good things with it. And this is the purpose of life itself. To become the experience and the expression you were born to be. Well, God bless you. Please know that you are loved and honored. And know that I honor you for having the courage to actually facing who you are and allowing that to come to fruition. Our vision in Centers for Spiritual Living is a world that works for everyone. To achieve that vision, we must first awaken ourselves to the reality that all is good. God bless you. Thank you. So I asked Dr. Ken if you would pray with me. So we're going to do a little dual prayer action. You good with that? All right. So take a deep breath and close your eyes. Let us go into our time of stillness. This practice is an opportunity for us to exercise receptivity. So allow your belly to soften. Allow your breath to find a natural cadence.
Recognizing that there's a power and presence for good that I call life. It is the presence of the universe. It is infinite in its capacity. It is the presence of peace. It is the presence of freedom. It is the presence of joy. It is the presence of love. It is the presence of who I am and what I am. I know that I'm one with this infinite power and presence. It moves and breathes and has its way in me. And as that is true for me, I absolutely know that that is true for all of us here. That there is a divine power and purpose that is expressing rightly as each of us. So what I know and affirm is that there is an expansive invitation in the realm of consciousness, that there is an expansion occurring here and now in receptivity. What I know is that every being that is resonating with this now moment has said yes to busting through old ideas of who we know ourselves to be into a vast, great expanse of what's possible. So I know and affirm here and now that we have met in holy agreement, holy agreement to expand our container for good, that we may be used as great portals on the planet, great channels of generosity. And I pass to Dr. And I know there is something that is happening here, here being the everywhere and the allness of life itself. There is an awakening, there is a, a brightening of the world around us. I know that that light that we call the authenticity, the truth, the spiritual being of each and every one of us is glowing and growing constantly and consistently. And I recognize and know that as it does so, what it does is expands the shadow and that that shadow falls within that light and then dissipates and disappears. I speak my word right here and right now for every individual in this room, for everyone open to this consciousness, recognizing and knowing that there is a freedom that is birthing and that that freedom is becoming inherent within who we are as we become aware of who we are. I know that each and every person here embraces a concept in their life that is greater than the one that they had before. And that that concept creates a greater form and a greater experience of being for each and every person. Accepting and expecting this to be the truth, I simply recognize and realize the beauty and the magnificence of life. And know that each and every entity that exists on this planet, each and every entity that exists in this plane, each and every entity that exists in this room is an individualization of that light and that it grows, expands, shines, attracts, brings in and shares in a greater manner than it ever has before. 
So say yes to that. Say yes in your being for the higher idea of who you are and allow yourself to be made open here and now. So just say yes. 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 Say, and so it is. So it is. 